You're right, I am going to cut that thing we just talked about. Hello, and welcome to the Cubicorn <laughs> Games Podcast. My name is Dustin Morbido. Joining me to talk about things and stuff, and uh, I guess mostly just video games. Probably. Uh, Lorraine Morbido is here. That's true. <laughs> Sayer of horrendous things. <laughs> Absolute. I don't know if you have the market cornered on that, but I mean, maybe you participate. Believe what you want to believe. <laughs> How's it going? I'm here. I'm, I'm here too. Wow. A couple of days. So many things going on. Uh, That's true. I'm trying to think. Because, I, I, like, again, the, going back from last week, I don't, don't think we really have any meaningful updates. Of, like, we've been messing with some stuff. We're really just starting to mm-hmm. ramp up in practice, getting super into making cucumber progress for the next couple of months, I mean, month or two. Might have a new trailer. You were kind of... You're talking about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm really hoping so. So by the time you hear this, there may or may not be a new trailer up, which won't be dramatically different than yeah, the old one. I mean, one, it'll just but... be, there'll be other stuff in it. Be different a trailer. Blech. A different trailer. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's just, uh, right, a little bit of that third boss fight in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to show off some of the other, like, minor, like a lot of the level, the physical level structure, not that it matters because they're all tiny little snippets, but the the level, like, pl- individual platforms featured in that original trailer, especially the ones from Tower 2, are pr- are kind of out of date now. And then there's yeah. a lot of little art stuff missing, like uh, none of the little, like, flourishes of, like, Cucumber's attacks dissipating and stuff mm-hmm. were in that build. So there's a lot of little things that... Yeah, there's there's stuff. There's stuff that could be updated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so that'll be out. Assuming I got my job done as the time you're listening to this. <laughs> And that's about it, because that's just one more uh, thing we're trying to do on our road to MAGFest, because this is mm-hmm. basically the last day, or, next day or two here is the last time for us to submit our, like, mm-hmm. updated visual materials to them, yeah. to have them be up to date on the website, and mm-hmm. presumably any other emotion, uh, <laughs> emotional, <laughs> any other promotional materials <laughs> they may or not. They're very emotional. We'll talk about the emotional materials in a bit. <laughs> the game we played was more emotional materials, but yes. promotional materials relate to MAGFest. So that'll be out by the time you hear this. On our YouTube and on the Steam page at some point. If not then, then soon. Uh, but again, Probably. if you've kind of played the game or seen other stuff of it, nothing dramatically different there. No. Just a slight little update. And then, yeah, we're going to keep powering through. We've been talking about Boss Fight 3 stuff. We've been talking about Tower 4 stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got more of a... Basically had a lot of meetings and planning since last time. We've got more of a concrete game plan of immediate things that are going to keep changing on our road to MacFest next <laughs> next January. And I think that's about it. Like I said, I'm, on that front again, I don't mm-hmm. really have any other updates of like. It's like the as of this recording, like almost exactly the two month mark, mm-hmm. missed by like a day or so. Yep. And as we said before, I'll reiterate here that we'll be kind of going dark on the podcast and yeah, streaming and all, everything front uh, for at least podcast wise, unless something comes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So expect to hear from us late late January, early February again on the regular with mm-hmm. podcast recording and live streaming and uh, more consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, like roadmaps for cu- future cucumber updates. We'll talk about all that stuff there. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I mean, we'll also mention this probably at the end of the show too. But you want like more like <laughs> boots on the ground updates. Like our Discord server is the best place to to find us in. Like we're not obviously much like with everything else, we won't be like actively posting as much. Like if someone posts something, I'll, but yeah, we're we're, I'll we're there. We'll see we will see it. We are there. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to jump in on there, go to cubicornegames.com, click the Discord link at the top of the page, and hop into that server. We'd be happy to have you. But that, with that said, I think that's kind of it for our stuff for now. Um, and then we'll move on to the game we played, the last game of the year. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 
that we played on stream, we played Zags, the role we play, mm-hmm. uh, on Twitch the other day. Yes. And I, I've been thinking about it here and there mm-hmm. in the back of my head. I was thinking about it earlier this afternoon. And it's like, I think it's a very complicated situation. Because <laughs> it's clearly a very well-meaning product. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I'm I'm glad that it exists. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad, uh, and, and the developer did reach out to us. This is a game we were uh, requested to check out, which we mm-hmm. appreciate. They gave us a code. Uh, you can check it out yourself on itch, which I'll reiterate after at the kind of the end of the conversation there. But like the the stuff that happens in it is clearly personal to some degree, whether it's their lived experience or, or some yeah. people they know or whatever. Again, this is like set in a at least two game universe of other visual novel stories. So they're like the setting, probably the characters to some degree, all have other like development and stuff prior to this presumably in some way shape or form something this is a known space to people who have played other games yeah, which the, we and, have not and zag's the role we play is an uh it's an rpg kind of visual novel hybrid yes it's, it does have rpg mechanics like it has there's, combat there, yeah there's your enemies. like turn-based combat uh, type deal like cooldown timers and stuff that like mm-hmm. you know manage certain abilities but at the same time it's clearly wrapped in a layer of mm-hmm. like it is very derived from i mean like half visual of the, novels um, that the game like you said it has games that are related oh the settings like right up front they're like hey the choices you make will affect the rpg like the turn-based combat stuff like there is a there's a link to it kind of like almost like persona-esque in that way whereas your actions outside of battle will also affect inside of battle and presumably a little vice versa yeah and i would again my, my kind of total take i think from it uh having sat with it for a few days and kind of thought mm-hmm. about it a little bit is that it really does feel uh like that no no single piece of the sum of its parts is super like well executed that's my that's my take and i don't mean that to sound like from like a game i I would standpoint i just just feel like it doesn't mesh together that well into one whole total thing Mm. because like when while we were playing it i think i technically liked it better i enjoyed it more after we had turned off the um the combat Mm -hmm. and we're just like all right let's just see the story and like have these characters interact whatever but in doing that i felt like that stuff also wasn't as fleshed out as it could have been if it was actually just a visual novel, like mm-hmm. if the mechanics weren't in there at all and there was just a little more time put into like the pacing of everything and like setting everybody up and setting up the scenario and like world, You want dialogue trees? Not even necessarily that. I, okay. I just want it to be a little more because the thing the the thing I keep going back to in my own head is the thing and I said I'm probably halfway through the stream or whatever, where we're uh so like you said, the game kicks off and you're like a college student. Uh, you're hanging out with your other college students, your boyfriend, and a few other people that you, like we met, met yeah, in <laughs> a couple the, of them. The loosest air quotes possible. Yeah. And then immediately it's like, it goes full persona, mm-hmm. where it's like, you're in uh, like a common area, you're basically in a hallway, you walk into a room, and then the personification of your character's anxieties attack you, and, mm-hmm. and then you fight them in RPG combat. And that happens within like two minutes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> of like the game proper starting i think with no real establishment of like who these folks are uh that like weird stuff exists in this world or that the world is otherwise normal and then once you kind of t- are taken to that point and i again i still think that this is probably just because this project was put together using a lot of pieces from other projects mm. that like the part of it that is uh when you're like doing the rpg combat and it becomes this like 
existential battle of like you against the you know the worst parts of your own psyche mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, visually, that stuff isn't represented in a way that strikes me as like otherworldly. mystical or otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like the um you know the monsters in Persona are all Fucked either up. like literally <laughs> just like uh like ex- like. Uh, they're just weird mythological creatures yeah. or like you know things from human folklore or they're just fucked up weird things because i think and again like with the persona aspect i feel like it's like kind of two halves because like some i think mainly only three and four mm-hmm. had them as just like separate entities where most of the time like with the rest of the shin megami tensei series and i think one two and then later five they are the like the personas you summon to like there's a there's a split between how that stuff is realized and i feel like zags maybe skewed a little more towards three and four where they're just kind of like weird things like they had more meaning to them than the weird like masked hands or the lions that are have like balls and chains on them and like three and four compared to this like they were more I would almost say a little more earthbound uh-huh. or like the mother series and they're like kind of like parody of real life weirdness as opposed to like, what even is this? What am I even looking at right now? But again, that still like didn't. And I still, I, I wish that there was a better intro to it all. Cause it was very strange. Like we talked about this immediately on the stream. Cause y'all didn't see it happen of, we boot up the game and it was immediately in the prologue and mm-hmm. we're like, what is happening? Is this what it's supposed to do? We found the menu and then the prologue was a separate button that wasn't attached to start. Yeah. And and so that was right. That A to B to C was like I said, that just strikes me again as the product's just feeling like a little, just a little out of sorts. Like just a lot, a lot of stuff that technically works, but hasn't been meshed together super well. Because right, that, how we ended up in that situation was, because usually we don't, for the most part, for Indian sites, we don't boot up games before we like. I'll boot the thing up to make sure that yeah, it runs. Yeah, make sure it runs. To make sure, right, to make sure that it functions enough to like. Okay, the executable didn't crash mm-hmm. on like launch. Like, and then we go and play the game. And so, like you said, but the first time we booted up, it did that. It took us to the prologue. And so when we booted up again to play it properly, I was just poking around. I was like, "There's got to be a way to full screen this," mm-hmm. and I found yeah, it. We did. But then when we full screened the game and hit, you know, back to main menu or whatever, it took us out of that prologue and into the title screen. Which, again, I would just, like, don't overthink it. When you launch your game, put it at the title screen. Unless your <laughs> game has no title screen, which is, like, again, that's fine if it's, like, depending on what tier of product you're making. Yeah. Like, if you're not shooting to get on Steam and eventually sell it for a couple bucks or whatever. Like, if it's just an experimental thing mm-hmm. or a more hobbyist thing or, like, a game jam game, it do- your game doesn't need to necessarily have, like, a menu with options on it and mm-hmm. shit like that. It can just start... But with something like this, it was clear it was in there because we got to it. Like, you know, it was Mm -hmm. a fully functional, like, start, options, quit. It had all the stuff in there. Uh, But it wasn't presented at the start of the game. And then the prologue, same thing. We didn't, at at that point, our options were to click prologue, which was a tiny little button in the corner, or click new game, which was a big giant button near the center. Mm -hmm. And so I clicked new game, and we didn't end up seeing the prologue stuff. And my argument there would be that, like, if this is essential, put it at the start of the game. Yeah. Uh, and if it's not, or make it clearer that you're in it, because it was like, I would like the fact that it did just like open into like a dialogue sequence. Like I didn't know what's going on. Like I haven't played. I've, I've probably experienced more visual uh-huh. novels than you, right? Which is not saying much. Still, sure. Like I have not. That is not a genre that I am well versed in by any means. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like that was a weird like. Yeah. 
order I, of operations. Yeah, and again, I'm making assumptions here because we didn't actually page through the prologue, but I suspect if we would have done the prologue, what it would have been is like, here's Jake. He's 20x years old. He goes to school here. Here's mm-hmm. Nate. He's 20x years old. He goes to school here. Like, I suspect it would have been that kind of thing based on the way the rest of the game is. And again, I, I could be slightly wrong on that because we didn't mm-hmm. click through it, but... The thing I would have liked to see out of this game that I feel like this is I feel like this is its big, biggest stumbling point for me is I would have liked to before we even reach the point where there's like a twist and then a, the RPG mechanics show up mm-hmm. and then we're like dealing with, you know, our own worst everything, anxieties, emotions, whatever. Yeah. I want to see you write a scenario that's like and after like a lunch or a party, I want you to write some scenario where we naturally are introduced to. You Everyone. Know, two to three characters. Yeah, the first couple of people we're gonna encounter and it, learn at least one meaningful thing about each of them before we are thrown into a fantastical scenario where we are expected to care about the particulars of, of their emotional, <laughs> uh, the particulars of their their mm-hmm. emotional trauma or whatever, or their like you know their anxieties. Because like when we were given the chance to build a party. There was just a wall of faces yeah, that and we that... had never been introduced to before. And like they were referenced in dialogue, like we were supposed to know them. And it just, it seems weird to have all of that. Like if all of that is, maybe that's all in the prologue. But the fact that it is like not, it's pre- the way that it's presented to you and then kind of skimmed over if you didn't immediately go in, like button through it. Yeah. Just seems like it needlessly confusing yeah it is the game has a really rough onboarding mm. that's what that would be my biggest criticism of it i think and i will compare this to a different thing i saw and i don't even remember off the top of my head the name of this game but i don't want to call them out specifically anyway mm. but when we were at Yumicon, i had seen a different game and again i'm i'm gonna speak from experience here because we've done this too but <laughs> um i saw a different game where the it was kind of a a pretty complicated like active tower defense sort of thing where, uh-huh. like, you had a character, but then, like, the game was a tower defense game, so you, instead of just placing towers, you had a, basically a protagonist that you could walk around a, a little map and place towers. Okay. But the mechanics were super complicated, and the UI was pretty dense, and, like, you had, like, a bunch of different abilities, and all this stuff was completely uh, unlocked and presented to you immediately, and the way that this game I'm talking about that I saw at Yumicon onboarded you was it played literally uh, like an eight-minute video <laughs> that was like, here's this, here's how you do this, here's this, here's how you do this, in an uninterrupted, like, and each of these, like, it's it, like, here's a mechanic, and it's on screen for 10 seconds, and then it's oh gone, and like, here's a new thing. <laughs> and uh. so when I went back to, like, I I sat through that, played mm-hmm. it for about 10 minutes after that, and then the developer, I, w- I was just going to ask him a couple questions, but they were busy talking to somebody else, so I had, like, bailed and then come back. Mm-hmm. And I've learned this, at least. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, don't, uh, you know, ask questions, don't imp- say the thing you think. Because my, my initial, I was like, oh, this is a fine prototype. <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, But I didn't say, like, how, f- I, so, like, uh, the wrong thing to do would be say, like, how far along this is. The right thing to do, which is what I did, I said, uh... So yeah, when uh, what state is this in? What are you guys gonna re- like? Mm-hmm. What are you guys gonna release or whatever? And you know, the guy was like, "It's out now," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and turn internally, I was more like that, and then I was uh-huh. like, "Oh, cool, yep, neat." But like, I would call the intro to that game unshippable. I mean, was that like actually the opening to it, or do you think that's just like the way they presented a, de- a live demo? Like, and as far as I could tell, that's just what happens when you click new game. 
And like I said, once the like the, and once the gameplay starts, there was nothing else really that they got to do along other than that. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, that takes us back to, and I think we did a, <laughs> I think we did a better job than that, but still not a great job. It's still the thing that bums me out the most about Down the Drain that exists right now is that it is un, under tutorialized, and it's a thing we've worked really hard to replicate to rem- uh, replicate. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the, we're the, doing it again, <laughs> guys. It's a thing we've worked really hard to remedy in Super uh-huh. Cucumber, and the differences between them, like it. It is clearly it is stark, and it's just because we took more time, mm-hmm. and because it's more straightforward. Like cucumbers are more straightforward. Yes, than down that the has always been the case. And and, and again, the there thing- have so another thing like just rewinding the clock a little bit. Like there was a time where down the drain had a tutorial. Yeah, there was like a more overt tutorial that could be selected from the main menu, and. People didn't care. <laughs> they refused to read on-screen well, prompts. Right, and again, and... that would have been a thing where we would have had to rework that. Exactly. Both, both for that reason and because the game itself, like you said, we had built a tutorial, but we had also basically changed... Like, I mean, the core mechanics were still, like, swim around and shoot. Yeah, the tutorial but, like, would the, have, like... the wider game, we had changed yeah. the gameplay, like, almost 100%. <laughs> so it would have had to be rebuilt from that point of view, too. But the In the... a sense. I don't think it would have been, like... Yeah. It wouldn't have been a huge... It would have been... Because, like, if you look at... Star Fox 64's mm-hmm. tutorial, I think, is actually really good. Yeah. It's not... You have to select it. Like, the training mode is not presented to you up front, and I think that is a good thing. Yeah. And it just kind of like you're in a benign environment, and you're just put through your paces, essentially, which is more or less, like, how I built the Down the Drain tutorial. Uh-huh. But that still means people have to do it. Yeah. And nobody... Uh, granted... These were live demonstrations, and a lot of them, especially at the time, were very young children mm-hmm. who probably couldn't read, which defeats the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> to some degree, sure. But again, that's the thing we're like, because uh, right, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. The The goal is to have it be the most understandable possible. Mm-hmm. So if you like have built out a tutorial thing and you can watch people in real time, and it's clear that like most people aren't picking up what you're putting down, mm-hmm. you can be frustrated <laughs> with people not reading stuff but at the end of the day your only choices are to either rework it or live with it mm-hmm. and if you don't rework it the easiest way for someone to disregard your game is to to not understand it or to be overwhelmed by it yes and then move on to something else because there are two trillion games out there and there is always room to just like put put this thing down that's in front of them and go pick mm-hmm. up something else and so all that said there are no easy answers. No. And it is a tremendously difficult. I don't want to understate underplay that. It is tremendously difficult oh, yeah. to build out an introduction to any game regardless of the genre or whatever that yeah. will will grasp most people and be understood by most people. Mm-hmm. Like different games Especially people unfamiliar with the genre. Yes, but that is the goal. Like yeah. it, like if you're building out the first 10 to 20 minutes of your game, your goal should be This person you, has you, never right, played yeah, this game before they, or a if, game. If you put this person in a room with nothing inside it, just a TV screen and a controller or keyboard and this product. This is a saw scenario. <laughs> yeah, that like 80 to 90% of the people placed in that scenario will do the thing you expect them to do. Jigsaw will appear the on the, the screen. Yeah. Do you want to play a game and show this game tutorial? Yeah, and they like they, will, they will figure out the things you're trying to convey to them and mm-hmm. they will ideally want to play more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like those are your two goals. That's actually oh. one of the things that I really like as I've... I have beaten Rogue Legacy one, Rogue Legacy two once, and have gone through the new game plus and seeing some of the like earlier stages. Like I have all of the abilities still unlocked, mm-hmm. which thank God, because uh, they're so like muscle memoried into me now. <laughs> but even just seeing like how they were like it's 
kind of similar to how cucumber will work, whereas like each area or tower gives you a new ability and then requires you to use said new ability in there. But the way that their tutorials work, aside from like their very kind of like black box of here's a new ability, this is how you do it in like every sense in an environment that doesn't matter. And then there are little just tool tips, just kind of like how we do in Cucumber. They just pop up next to a thing and it's like, here's this ability. Use this here. You're good. And then it's just, mm-hmm. you move on with your life. Yeah. They use keywords and it's great. And Lorraine, here's a question. In, in Rogue Legacy, do those persist in the same way that ours do? Yes. So if you keep staying at the spot, it'll stay there? Yes. I think that, because I think that is a tremendous... I think that is a key. That is one of the better things we've done in Cucumber that I think more games need to do. That is probably the biggest fault in the tutorial that we had in Down the Drain before, whereas that was like a linear, like if you just if you did just button through it, you're not going to get back to the first thing. Mm. It's like having having people look at the thing, not process it the first time, because most people don't, mm-hmm. and then kind of having it set up so that it's there <laughs> as they're stuck when they need it. It's not a piece of text you button through, but it's a basically a piece of text that exists in the area you're in mm-hmm. so there's no way to bypass it until you're actually through it cuz one of the like the best example from Rogue Legacy 2 that I have is literally the second area mm-hmm. where you get this like I don't I think you already technically had the spin like the down like spin attack uh-huh. but you get an ability that lets you like chain it essentially off of um specific always yellow glowing things that will refuel your spin kick so you can keep going and when you you have to unlock that ability literally like above the like entrance to this area that you get to and you move out to this open area that you literally at that point in time have no means of crossing and it just says look around Mm -hmm. so it prompts you to look at the yellow things that you should know what they are at this point because you did that tutorial and then you go on and then you can continue on you're like oh okay that's how this works yeah it's so simple and so effective like you still they still have like these training segments that you cannot redo once you have the thing which is fine Mm because they're just like teaching you like oh basically that it's like you can Spin jump off of these things. You see all this purple stuff? You can dash through it now that you have the shadow dash or whatever the hell it's called. And then it just it compounds off of that. Because the, the other big area that I remember that being is the fifth one, I believe. Where, again, you've got these like purple walls that you've already dealt with before. And then they add kind of like how the yellow little like they're kind of like 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 sconces almost that just kind of exist in every like on whatever surface they need to they have purple energy on them this time you're like okay well i know purple energy has to do with the dash so you dash into it and then it's like oh this lifts you up and refunds your shadow dash and it just tells you that right there and it's like do it again and then you get to the like the top of the little area another prompt it's like that's how you do this and then they just throw you into it and it's so effective and very similar to, which is kind of funny, all the stuff in Cucumber, because you would not, you haven't played Rogue Legacy 2. Right. And you had been making this before I even started playing it anyway. Like, Correct. But again, I played tutorial. video games. Well, yeah. And, but yeah. no, like the, the simplicity of it and the effectiveness of it, I think, are really good. Yeah. And again, that's the thing where the two, the two words you said are, uh, it shows you one thing and then it repeats it. Mm-hmm. And those are the... There are no two stronger statements for making repetition. <laughs> yeah, repetition. Yeah, for making repetition. making a strong tutorial at the start of your game. Then, uh, right. Then, like breaking it down and repetition. Mm-hmm. Don't try to give. Don't give people seven things mm-hmm. and have them do a little chunk of each of them. Give them one thing and do it at least a couple times, and then 
take a little break and then have them do it a couple more because that's the thing that's uh, why I think the first world, the first tower in Cucumber has worked so well now mm-hmm. is because in redesigning those levels, we really leaned into that of like, mm-hmm. all right, well, the first time, the first couple, like the first six or so levels are like, we're going to teach you one thing. And then the last two of that tower are, are more open-ended. Are, yeah, they're more open-ended. They're more like regular-ass video game levels, but mm-hmm. they each contain... Uh, they each make you do all of the things we taught you kind of interspersed <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. the throughout the game. And then I would also say the first level of both Tower 2 and Tower 3 also meet, meet that end, where they're the only ones in their tower that have the text. Yeah. And it's like, hey, guess what? You just learned a thing? Now you're going to use it, mm-hmm. and here's how we're going to have you use it. Right. And, to... and then you see these these things later without the prompts. You're like, okay, this is what I'm doing, and then you do it. Yeah, and to loop this all all the way back around uh-huh. to Zags, because we've been using a ton of gameplay-specific examples, but mm-hmm. I do think this works is the, – the concept is just as important in more narrative-focused things, and yes. I would personally categorize Zags as a more narrative-focused product than a – gameplay focused product although it does have both like again mm-hmm. it has rpg elements and all that but the way that that works in narrative is just simply with concepts and characters mm-hmm. so same same principle a little bit of stuff one thing at a time and repeat it <laughs> at least a little to start and and like Drip, you said feed repeat exposure yeah and like you said the the that screen where you kind of like begin the game and it's like here's eight people choose a couple that is the antithesis of that mm-hmm. that is like well i don't know any of these people and i don't know what the consequences are of picking them functionally yeah. and i don't know what the stakes are of picking them narratively like or emotionally and that is so much weaker than if you're just like all right here's your protagonist here's one character <laughs> mm-hmm. And have them, and like I said, put them in a, a tableau. Put them mm-hmm. in something. A date, a party, uh, just hanging out on the couch. Just put put them in a scenario where they can interact and you can be introduced to both of them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, thing happens. And then, like, after all that, third character happens or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, like, characters, scenarios, characters. Kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, my the, how I feel that Zags works in execution is that, like, Here's where you are. Here's a bunch of people. There are monsters. Fight them. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, and that pacing just didn't work for me. Like mm-hmm. it just it just feels very uh. uh it, I mean, it felt like I opened a book like a third of the way through. Yeah. And was just expected to accept everything that was in front of me. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there the this is derived from other works. Mm-hmm. But like I said, on the itch page, it describes itself as like, oh, you don't necessarily need to be familiar yeah. with stuff to enjoy this. And I would say that. To the developer, again, thank you for providing this. We de- definitely had fun checking it out. and mm-hmm. I have fun anytime we talk about analyzing stuff like this. But yeah. what I what I would do, like I said, I don't think there's any intrinsic problem with... Just both the prologue to the new game. The content. <laughs> yeah, it's the form. Like, like mm-hmm. I, would, I would take those words to heart. You don't need to be familiar with the other stuff to play this. And I would go make like another one of these <laughs> and, and, and remold everything around it to be truly like, think about this. All right, I have never played, like you said, either anything related to this game or a potentially a video game at all. And then think, this is the story I want to tell. These are the, you know, the gameplay things I want to convey. Mm-hmm. How can I do that in a way that like when I show it to someone who has never seen this before, they can at least get some amount of understanding without being just overwhelmed with stuff. Mm-hmm. That would be, I think, because like I said, it's just in in execution. I think it is too much, too fast, mm-hmm. and as a more minor criticism, but I like I said, just a understandable one, considering that it seems derived from other similar products, an under themed 
Like, that was my thing where, like, like I said, where you kind of, like, are fighting these huge emotions and just clearly just, like, the static backdrops from any visual novel type thing where it's just very grounded, very normal. Like, here's an auditorium. There's nothing unique about it. And here's a dorm room. And there is nothing unique about it. Like, there's nothing magical no, or fantastical. There was, say, or, there, there was <laughs> something unique about the bedroom. There was that man on the wall. But that, the Loved sh- the man. <laughs> <laughs> And the baffling comp- random screen at the end, like the I, I'm still not over the layout of that bedroom. Uh-huh. It freaked me out. <laughs> that is the concept I would be oh. fighting: is the interior design of that bedroom and why everything was yeah. like those but- beds were like a foot apart. <laughs> <laughs> Tight quarters. Uh, I mean that that's true to real dorm life. I, I know, that, but, but still. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Des- like there no, were, I know, I know, there was I know. nothing magical or mystical or otherworldly about the areas that mm-hmm. you were in, even though that was what the kind of like just stakes. Just tinted all purple or whatever. That, that was my son. Yeah. Like I said, you don't even need to redo the art. Just tint it a color that's weird or like put it like a, just like a morph, just like do a. Probably not fish eye. Some, yeah, some kind of wavy. transform, right, just to make it look weird. <laughs> and then make out. it, And then when you have defeated the otherworldly thing, make it look unweird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's all I'm asking for. And then as far as other stuff, like I said, the positives in general were like, I, as with most indie games, mm-hmm. I could tell it comes from a, a really well-meaning place. Yeah. And it's very queer positive. I dig that. And, and I like, I still like the battle sprites a lot. And the, the, the bigger character portraits are fine. Like, I don't think they looked bad, but they didn't, like, do it for me in the way that I liked the little chibi guys better <laughs> <laughs> who were kind of hanging out in the combat sequences. And I really enjoyed the, con- like, the names of the, um, the names of the enemies and stuff. I thought that stuff was, yeah. was fun and cheeky for the most part and well put together like dinner alone was that it <laughs> yeah <laughs> meal sure. it might have been meal alone i, I think it was eating or was it Eat, eating alone yeah i don't know it was very funny uh-huh. good <laughs> i was like yeah that's a great you know when you're doing a persona like uh, or just like, an fighting ex- my like a more feelings. metaphysical like type thing where yeah. you are fighting like manifestations of emotions or strange concepts like yeah. i love shit like that no that was great uh, so there's a lot of little stuff in there that was was well done. Like I said, it just it feels like it needs more time and attention. Mm-hmm. Like take take this baseline, spend a lot more time on just like I said, thinking out like a more a linear narrative that is more spread out. That is because like I said, that's what I would like is like because there were a lot of open ended. Uh, like again, well you can pick any of these people and go check track down any of their like fight any of their anxieties or whatever. So like if you picked any of these people, you can go down their tracks, which was weird because they also were locked by like they weren't locked i think it just told you but like they scaled yeah Yeah. they scaled to linearly right where like as you ascended up it was like oh you need to be level 10 if you want to fight this without you know turning the combat off or whatever and that's again that kind of thing where like if if you're going to be more narrative focused i don't even want to see like menus where you're like picking your next scenario i want to go from scene to scene i want to like finish the protagonist thing and then you know have a place to save and then when i click next I want the game to say it was the it's the next day or whatever. Have someone walk into the room or whatever. Yeah, I don't want to be at that point faced with a menu that like here's what you want to do now. Mm-hmm. And that's to some degree a personal preference because I like narrative stuff to flow naturally. Yeah, naturally. I don't know. That's that that's my gut take on it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that immediately springs to mind about the shop. Oh, <laughs> I don't even think we need to get into that. That's that's <laughs> that's my forever criticism of that. Like economies are hard. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just trying to like think of other things that like sure. stuck out from. Uh, yeah, the scaling of buy- being able to buy things in the shop was weird. But again, like <laughs> I said, that's the a problem that I've seen most games yeah, do. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> this is a universal truth. Uh, Economies are hard. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh yeah, I don't. Th- I'm try- trying to think of other. I can't think of anything else immediately off the top of my head. I think we touched on most of the major stuff. Like I said, I, I would love to see this evolved on. Mm. Like I would love to see the Zags too, <laughs> or, or or again, just a totally different like. Yeah. And that's another good point too. Is like if you wanted to take this, take a similar thing and divorce it from the, your existing works yeah. or whatever. Then you can really rethink it from the ground up and really hone in, like again, almost like adapting like a novel into screenplay or something. Yeah. And think of like here's the themes that I want to touch on, like you know, mm-hmm. growing up queer and uh, you know, feeling anxiety, and and then like take all the stuff you want to say and try to condense it down into as digestible a thing as possible. So if you've got like eight characters and your original visual novel things. And that's mostly just because you want, like, people to have a, a wide variety of folks to, like, you know, yeah. date or whatever. Distill them into six or four, maybe. Like, combine a few, mm-hmm. maybe leave a few out. Or, like, leave room for, if you do one thing and you want to do a sequel, then you can always introduce new people. Mm-hmm. But, or, yeah. like, maybe not everybody has to be a main character. Like, you could maybe still have all eight to, like, have them, like, in and around. But maybe sure. all of them don't have to have, like, as much screen time as yeah, everybody Yeah, exactly, else. right. Like, like, maybe there's, Minor like, characters are good, too. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's, like, a coffee shop. You know, there's always a coffee shop. It's a visual <laughs> novel. There's always a coffee shop, like a coffee shop uh, barista mm-hmm. or whatever. And so when the characters, like when the main characters, you know, going back and meet up there, they they kind of pop in and like give mm-hmm. their two cents on something and then fade back into the background again. But there's not there's not like a whole dialogue tree with them about like you know dating them or getting to hang out with them more or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, stuff like that. Just uh, like condense and streamline and uh, and refactor a little bit. Those would be the things that I would do with something like for the next thing. And other than that, I think that's pretty much all I've got. Do you have any other straight thoughts about Zags? I don't think so. Nothing specific anyway. Like I'm still like kind of endlessly fascinated with visual novels as a whole. Like it's again, <laughs> never something I've ever really like played a lot of. I just don't, I don't know. I, I almost would rather spend my time writing, <laughs> which is generally what ends up happening anyway. But it is just like something I've always kind of like, Especially now as we've gotten like to see more both at like various conventions we've been at and also like the two that we've played on here. It's kind of something that's just like in my periphery of like, oh, that'd be kind of a fun project to like do at some point, like attempt to make one Mm -hmm. as someone who's done like a decent amount of like novel writing as opposed to like, obviously it's, it's very different. Um, It's similar, but it's different. It's more like a script at that point, but it's just, I don't know. I just think they're neat. I think that'll do it for a discussion on Zags, the role we play. Yeah. But again, thank you to the yes. the developer for reaching out uh, and hooking us up with the code. We very much appreciate it. And we did enjoy checking it out. Yeah. And if you're out there listening and you want to check it out in your own time, you can search for Zags on Itch. And I think it's like four ninety nine or something for the whole game and the demo's free. So mm-hmm. you could you could take a little taste if you want and then see if you wanna wanna invest further. But yeah, I think that'll do it for that. That developer has two other games. Right, like um, I said, this is other visual same universe, as well. similar characters. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. And yeah, as we were kind of talking about before, that is our last indie game that we will play of 2023. But if you're out there and you've got an indie game or you know somebody who's working on something and they want eyeballs on it, email us at podcast at cubicorngames.com. We will be kind of on hiatus on that front until mm-hmm. 2024. But if we get stuff in the queue, uh, it will be I will try top. to check it yeah. out. Yeah. Like, uh, again, unless I see like some... Unless it is either not functional or objectionable. Yeah. <laughs> I try to give pretty much everything a fair shake. So uh, Genre be damned. Yeah, exactly. So if you're, if you're interested, uh, drop us a line, send us a thing you're working on, and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. try to make time for it in the future. We can be your lowest common denominator. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, Lorraine, do we want to have any like wider-reaching conversation about like 
wrapping up the year because this is going to be our last podcast of 2023 or <laughs> i mean the other thing i know we talked about touching on is um the very destiny 2 shaped elephant in the room yeah that's and i that we'll we'll go there for a little bit like i said i don't want to make this episode too long overall mm-hmm. but i do think that it's worth noting because it we can both talk about uh our ongoing <laughs> divorce <laughs> hate fuck i don't know whatever you want to call it with destiny as a franchise uh and the state of the video game business in general, because mm-hmm. it is shitty. It's been a bad year um, to be a game dev. Yeah, it's been a, like it seems like above average year for games in many ways, like just the quality of mm-hmm. many products that have come out, and an, oh, yeah. an extremely it's, below average year for to work in game dev. Oh yeah, I've seen oh. just because of the I don't remember which what video game awards mm-hmm. that has been like popping around recently, yeah. but Jeff I've Keighley's seen stupid thing. Well, I've yeah. seen a lot of people like. Just being like, oh, yeah, and the most layoffs of the year award. (laughs) (laughs) They should. If they had any spine at all, which they don't because they they need to play ball with the publishers to reveal trailers and shit. Yeah, that's why I've checked out on all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't really. um... I I could give two fucks about video game awards, honestly, or most awards in general. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm so tuned out of uh, everything. Like, I I enjoy the the stuff that we get to do with playing things like Zags and other stuff. Yeah. Indie games are so much more interesting to me than anything that comes out yeah. with enormous budget because all that yeah. shit has become so manipulative and so watered down that I just give so little a fuck mm-hmm. about all of it. But that also leads to like game coverage too, whereas like for the most part, I don't really care about the wider like game. Like I don't go to websites like you know GameSpot and IGN or whatever yeah. at all really anymore. Whereas like when I was like twelve or whatever. I was like that. They, that shit would be my daily only internet thing. I would be mm-hmm. like seeing what's up with the video games, and uh, I've just reached a point where that's not really what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> these days. But that it's been in uh, those folks too, like game journalists with like the um, Waypoint, which was one of the only things that I still did consume on a regular basis, and mm-hmm. they've they've turned into re. Oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it because I have that podcast downloaded too. I haven't listened to the last couple. Of, Remap is the Remap, is their yeah. new thing. That that's where all the way the the waypoint folks went, and then the zero punctuation Riazzi and the dudes from the Escapist just recently uh, bounced from their corporate gigs and, and founded Second Wind. I think mm. is their new independent like YouTube endeavor. And so on that front, I guess a games press might be in a better situation than games themselves okay. because I haven't to date. And it um, takes uh, the other ahead. one uh, kind of uh, I haven't seen too much from them recently. Nextlander, which is like a handful of the like older crew from giant bomb you're mm-hmm. i believe it's alex navarro vinnie caravella and brad is it brad, brad? okay i couldn't, yeah. couldn't remember exactly who was who else was but that there. wasn't particularly recent that was a couple of years ago well yeah but i think they're still like kicking around out there yeah like, no they are they're doing but, some stuff yeah, I, i'm specifically talking in 2023 terms because gotcha, again gotcha, th- gotcha. those two things happen within the last six months like the that escapist thing happened like two weeks ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the 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 vice layoffs all happened like Summer. I mean, there's st- I, from what I've seen because I still follow Patrick Klepek. Um, yeah. Again, just <laughs> from the Giant Bomb days, mm-hmm. um, and I think I saw recently he was just like, yeah, it's just another Thursday, another attempt at getting my money from Vice. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. But like I was saying, and again, it is a bigger lift because it is certainly is simpler to spin up a Patreon and a YouTube oh, channel 100%. and like a podcast feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you yeah. want to go independent making games media not mm-hmm. not to trivialize it not to say that it's easy but it's easier than say taking the hundred or so people who were laid off at Bungie and morphing them into their own studio yeah <laughs> that is certainly a larger endeavor mm-hmm. 
But it is something I'd like to see. Like, I would love to see people taking those risks and founding, like, big mm-hmm. indie studios. I mean, that's uh, kind of what, like, I mean, this is a few years back now. That's kind of what Platonic became, which was, I mean, it wasn't result of layoffs or anything. It was just, like, some of Rare's, Rareware's old guard uh-huh. coming together. And I think they're about... Probably 10 or 20 people, maybe. No, it's a little more. They've, they, well, they've grown a I'm lot sure bigger. I'm sure they've scaled up. And they they've even a become a little bit more of a um, publisher now, too. Yeah. Um, but they had mentioned, oh, God, I wish I could remember what it said. They they actually just paid out some pensions recently. Like, they did some really, they, they're they doing some good, they're, they're positive game dev. Sure. Like, of that scale. Like, I, I should just, I should find the actual information. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Um, but again, but that's yeah, the... I was, like, <laughs> in the midst of everything else, I was kind of shocked and very touched to see, like, Something like that kind of coming together and still being pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Because, again, looping it back around to Destiny, which is a game we talked about on and off all over the place here. Too it's, long. It's a thing we played a lot of. But, like, the, the layoff train came to the Destiny doorstep, too. Bungie knocked off a good, like, 8% or whatever of their workforce. Uh, um, so they... they um First, we introduced the Platonic Recharge, a paid sabbatical for all of our stack, staff after their five-year work anniversary. So they're just like just their benefits that they're like they're mm-hmm. letting people like they're paying for people to take time off after sure. being there for some amount of time. No, that's great. Which is just nice. It's just yeah. nice to see. And conversely, it's I it has yet to be proven. Although maybe if if lawsuits do come to the fold, it will be revealed in the court of law. Mm-hmm. But it certainly seems like uh, a large impetus behind some of the specific layoffs at Bungie was to avoid paying out their fucking vested equity after yeah. the Sony acquisition, cool. which is. So so scummy and fucking monstrous that mm-hmm. like it is next level. It's not not only are you denying these people the regular paychecks, but like you're denying them <laughs> previously agreed upon bonuses as well. Like Health man, benefits, you, you fuckers! Like, uh, uh, so mercenary, so evil. Like uh, especially people like uh, like those old hands, like um, like Salvatore and some of the other artists or whatever. Specifically, yeah. him in particular is just like because that's when I think about like a future for that game, and I can see I can see I. Sitting in my imaginary bungee CEO seat, <laughs> smoking my cigar. <laughs> <laughs> On your eighth yacht of the day. But like, oh, the new expansion's music is done, right? And then, like, we're going to, quote, unquote, release these episodes that, like, we'll just, just like we have for the seasons, we're just going to pluck a bunch of shit that's already mm-hmm. lying around and just smear it all over there. Like, when they put the, um, you know, the Dreaming City raid music or whatever and just, like, any random piece of seasonal content and just call yeah. it a fucking day. Because uh, they can't be bothered to do better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, we've got so much music in the back catalog, we can fart out well-received songs for years at this point. Mm-hmm. Fuck them, let them go. Like, Deep fuck <laughs> and the dubstep remix. Let's go. Yeah, just... Because say what you want about Destiny, Halo, or whatever, that music is some of the most well-received uh, mm. things that have come out of that studio, period. Yeah. If you hit the mute button on the Halo franchise, like, if you just strip the music tracks out... I think those games sell, like, at least 20% less than mm. they do have otherwise. Like, it is such an intrinsic part of the experience. And that extends to Destiny 2. And this is not even the first time... Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they had a falling out with the other big composer from Halo from the oh. Halo days. That, that was, like, early Destiny era that mm. they fucking fired his ass for probably no reason. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I do not remember. This was a very long time ago, I mean, and I, I I'm not, not privy to the details. Yeah. But I know what happened. But, like... Not only is have I been really on the outs with that game because it's become such a manipulative mm-hmm. product, but for me personally, I just see no future where it gets meaningfully better when the biggest problems with it are the people making 
wide-scale decisions about the product. And as far as I can tell, all those people are still in place. <laughs> yeah, they didn't go and, and the biggest thing going for it, historically, I think, has been... I, I do think a lot of the people working on that game really know their shit. Like mm-hmm. I said, I still to this day have a... Like, all the times the Destiny could have died, it would have died without... Uh, like strong art direction and it, for my money, especially strong gameplay design, because mm-hmm. like the 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 feel and momentum of the combat is so intrinsic to the way that 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 product works and the way that yeah. Halo worked. Um, and like I said, combined with the music, because the the music itself makes it is so atmospheric at times. Yeah, and it it absolutely elevates the boring, tedious bullshit in oh, that yeah. product to make it feel less boring and tedious. Mm-hmm. Like it is it is intrinsic to making that game bearable. Yeah, <laughs> it is it is inseparable from its success, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Um, and to know that there are that plenty of those people who were doing their best on each of those fronts are gone now. And that the people actively making the product worse are still there and probably more entrenched than ever because everybody else who's left behind is like shell shocked, just like yeah. waiting for the next bomb to drop. I have no confidence in that game becoming better. No. I have no 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 sense that it will meaningfully improve. <laughs> I mean that like that was really because you were more or less probably checked out like going into and it, right, the it's final again, shape again like, it's not like a hard like i'm not folding my arms and saying i will never play destiny again uh-huh. but in terms of a thing that i actively care about on like a week-to-week basis it is as bo- close to the bottom of the list as it's been since that game came out probably yeah um <laughs> oh. whereas i was still at least a little more on the fence of like i hadn't pre-ordered yet i was gonna kind of see how everything was going and then Halloween happened, <laughs> and that really, it really killed it for me. As someone who also, like, this is, I don't know, because I still, like, there's still so much that I have, like, in, kind of, like, ingrained with just the experience of playing Destiny, and that's more from the people I'm playing with, because that, like, that socializing has kind of been all I've had in some parts of time where either I'm feeling like shit, like, last year or whatever, or we were in the middle of a goddamn fucking panini. Like, I will be sad to see that go. But I'm also, like, there are ways to make that still just happen. Like, we can just schedule, like, I have other regularly scheduled, like, Discord, like, hangouts. Like, that is definitely something. Like, and we now, because of, like, PlayStation integration for, like, Discord, like, we have that infrastructure, essentially, in our friend group to, like, have a place where we can all just, like, go and hang out, doing whatever, like, invoice chat, so, like, it's there. Like, I don't have to be on the PlayStation or the Xbox or whatever. Like, I don't have to be anywhere. It could be on my phone. It could be at my computer doing, like, I could be playing games on my computer. I could be playing it on PlayStation. Like, whatever. There are options. And in the few times this past year where the game has been literally unplayable because, like, the, that rollback happened. Pretty sure that was in Lightfall. Um, they've been DDoSed into Oblivion multiple times. Game has just been fucking crashing every other second. I've had to do that. <laughs> I have relocated my um my time playing Destiny and hanging out with my friends to doing something else and hanging out with my friends. And while I'm still kind of like, I guess I don't feel like dead set, maybe stubborn to play what I purchased with Lightfall. Um, I'm gonna at least see Season of the Wish or whatever through some amount of time. For however long that season ends up being, because they still won't announce anything, and I still hard doubt that it's coming out in February. No, that's not happening. There's no way. 
You don't fire a hundred people <laughs> off of your game that you already know are doing a bad job earning back the revenue you assumed you were going to make and then proceed to death march them to a date that they can't meet. Yeah, and those firings, again, I actually still, like I said, I think they will hit Bungie worse than they hit most studios. Yeah. Because the thing about that, the thing that I don't think that the executives have conceived of just how much damage they've done, mm. and they won't know it until it's already too late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, I think now is already too late, but I'm seeing they won't they won't realize November it. November 1st was too late. They won't realize it until the numbers, like, you know, the numbers have been bad for six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they or, won't realize it until the numbers are worse. atrocious another year from now. The game's going to die. Like, but, um, the game was already, like... Yeah. I, I've heard other people talking about, like, especially, like just because, like, I regularly watch a handful of different like destiny content creators just because i i like their like vibes mm-hmm. more or less and specifically Dado um has talked a lot about um what he plans because he's like people are gonna leave that's just what's gonna happen like they've been billing this conclusion for 10 goddamn years and like people are just gonna be done which like that was gonna happen anyway but now with the like company on life support and the game even more on life support. Yeah, like it's just gonna implode. Sure, but again, the thing I'm the thing I wanted to get at that, that's materially different from a functional scenario in the Bungie space than it is from other studios is when other publishers and studios do this. It is always in like not always, but v- most frequently it is in transitions with lines of business. So it is like mm-hmm. this single game came out and failed. So everybody who worked on it is fired, mm-hmm. or you know this one this project within the company you know, did not work out, was a stupid idea, didn't make money, whatever. Mm-hmm. So everybody who worked on that thing is fired. Bungie has and, one game. Right. Bungie has one game that they claim to still intend to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they're making it through next year regardless. Like, unless I I would be shocked if the final shape did not reach market. <laughs> God, what if Marathon like, doesn't uh, come out? But, yeah, exactly. They have <laughs> one product and... It is one of the most unique products in the game industry right now. It is one of the most long-lasting live service games that has ever existed. It has outlived every single Destiny killer that has come for its lunch money. So even as companies, like, will disband entire teams just to save money in, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the sixth months between, like, shipping a failed game and making a new one just to save a couple dollars... It is still short-sighted, and they are still ultimately using losing person hours by doing that. Yeah. Because, like, once you've built a team of people and they know how your systems work and they know how to work with each other that you need to earn all that back Mm -hmm. when you like reassemble a team of totally new people the next time but at least in those situations usually there's a project transition and there's no such thing as that in Bungie it is always destiny and there Mm -hmm. is no replacement for the institutional knowledge that all those people (laughs) that they they have lost now that all those people are gone and like who would like I'm I'm sure there are there could be some people who would go like if they just like sent out a call to the people they all axed, I'm sure there's a non-zero percent of them who would go back. But, like... But they're not the, going to do that. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Bungie is not going to yeah. do that. But the idea that you could just be, like, cut out of the equation so callously, like, how could you mm-hmm. go back? Yeah. And, again, the thing here is it's, again, more egregious than, like... The difference between le- keeping those people on and firing them all is like a high interest rate loan for the next <laughs> eighteen months. Like that's what it would have taken. Mm. So like, let's not fucking pretend. Like I obviously don't have a, an insight into their explicit financials. Yeah. But for more of the time that it has existed than not, Bunge- uh, Destiny has been a well received game mm-hmm. that has at many points made lots of money, including 
you know, the other year, last year, whatever year it was with the Witch Queen, mm-hmm. to the point where Sony purchased them for almost $4 billion. Yeah. And so the idea that uh, the executive class at that company, which again, it's not surprising because every company in America works this way. It's yeah. 100% line go down, fire people, line go up. But the, but it doesn't have to be. Just because it is doesn't mean that it has to be. And it, doesn't, it didn't have to be with this. They could have simply found financing. <laughs> <laughs> if not through Sony, then like I said, through like they they could have taken loans out. They could have. There was absolutely a way to not do this, and they chose to do it because it was faster and cheaper and easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't have to take a pay cut. Yeah, and um, in conclusion, the game industry is vile. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, fuck every executive forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and bun- unionize Destiny, your workplace. Yeah, Destiny will probably never. Financially recover from this. <laughs> financially, recover, financially recover from this. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get your fucking hopes up. No. And it's a damn shame. And it'll be a shame when the that game. Like of I said, the wish I wasn't here. It, it'll be a shame that I will mourn in some ways, not in others, when that game eventually goes dark. Because on the one hand, like I said, it has become such a flawed product. Yeah. That I, in its current state, I have a pretty middling interest in playing it. Mm. But there is a lot of good going on there. It's still a lot of fun to play. Mm-hmm. When you get into it at the end of the day, and it'll be sad uh, when it is either impossible or extremely difficult to play because it is a live service yeah, thing. So the, it's it's not just the... like Halo Three where you can just pop it in and relive it if you want. Like it's going to be either impossible or extremely complicated mm-hmm. to recreate that game in like a game preservation po- sense, yeah, and that's very sad. Going down, yeah. yeah. Well, because that was still one of the things about the whole vaulting thing, like yeah. So much of that, I mean, it might not have been, like, amazing content. Like, in some cases, it definitely wasn't. But most of Destiny 2, as it has historically been, is not even playable right now. Old campaigns, seasonal shit, which, who cares? But maybe someone wants to, like, go through that story (laughs) again. Everyone wants to live through the season of the Seraph. Yeah. The first one. I don't remember what it was called, though. Wasn't the Seraph because that was the one at the end of? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever, who cares? Yeah, again, I'm, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm this done game with. Is done. I'm done with Destiny specific stuff at this point. But like yeah. you said, the we will end on the thing you you just shouted out that I will say it one more Unionize time. Unionize your workplace. Yeah, and again, that's like a fine platitude in and of itself. But the point being, if more of if if the workers had an equal vote, mm-hmm. <laughs> if if all the hands in that company went up and the and the the choice was. You know, take on debt, cut salaries, whatever, to keep pushing towards making a better product, or just like indiscriminately fire the people who we can get the most financial mm-hmm. yield from firing. <laughs> if it were up to the employees, the people who care about the quality of that the product, people who are actually making it, yeah, the people who have a heavy stake in its quality. Because again, mm-hmm. the managers, I am convinced that every single person who gets the CEO title in America, they would make popsicle sticks or nuclear weapons or you know push lawn mowers, and it. As long as it turns a profit, who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but the boots on the ground, the people making that that game want to see it made better. And if they had more power, they this would not have happened. Mm-hmm. And that's something you can put in union contracts to make it impossible or much more difficult to indiscriminately lay off significant yeah. chunks of your workforce. It is a thing you can absolutely do legally. And yeah, 2023 should be the wake-up call for every single person who is or or has ever or will ever work in games that it is time to push back on management as hard as legally possible. (laughs) Take back the means of production. 
And with that said, your server <laughs> fight the man. With that said, I think we're gonna call it a show. Awoo. What a tumultuous year. It's bad. Um, thank you, Lorraine, for talking to me about Destiny in 2023. I'm sorry we had to talk about Destiny in 2023. And cool flawed indie games and yeah. what we're doing next. <laughs> Do you mean another cool flaw in indie games? Exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we play them, we make them. We, we got all our bases covered. Uh, I am what I eat. That's right. Uh, thank you to everybody for who's listening. We really yeah. appreciate it. Like I said, we'll be back in 2024. Again, if you want to keep tabs on us, uh, you can technically follow us at Cubicorn Games on Twitter. Uh, you can find our games by searching for Cubicorn Games on Steam. You can join our Discord by going to cubicorngames.com and clicking the link at the top of the page. Uh, and you can subscribe to this podcast wherever podcasts exist. If you Not want to everywhere. hear us uh, in, stop it. <laughs> in many places where podcasts can be found to hear us whenever we put out a new episode. Uh, <laughs> and with all that said, uh, that's going to do it for our 2023. Woo! So thank you, Lorraine. Uh, and thank you, everyone who has played Cucumber Hell yeah. all year or joined the Discord or uh, all of it. It's been, pew, a, pew, pew. for being a really complicated year in general, it's been an above average year for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping 2024 will be the same way. But Hell yeah. We'll find out. Only time will tell. So until then, wow. stay safe, have happy holidays, have a wonderful new year. Mm-hmm. And we unionize will see- your workplace. <laughs> and unionize your workplace. Hell and we, yeah. we will see you all on the other side. Stay safe, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Bye.